You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And thanks for listening. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, it's a special edition of the program coming to you from the Greenbrier in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, as the New England Patriots and Houston Texans get together for joint training camp practices. Lamar Miller, Texans running back, who's going to slide on over into the chair of honor. We know his brother is tired, so we're going to let him take his time okay. and come on in. Come no on rush. In Lamar, thanks so much for taking the time. How yes, are sir. you? Thanks for having me. How, how you doing? Good, man. How's everything going with your body? Uh, you know, you... He was the Lone Ranger last year for the most part by yourself when it came down to running the football and did get too much help in the passing game. But but how are you right now? What's the state of your body? And, and how do you like the team from the standpoint of having Tom Savage as well as Deshaun Watson as a potential starter going into this season? Everything good so far. My body, body-wise, I'm feeling good. The, the coach has been doing a great job of taking care of me in practice, you know, get minimal reps, but making sure I'm getting, you know, the opportunity to – you know, get that rhythm with the offensive line and the receivers and things like that. And, you know, I think overall group as an offense, I think, you know, we're doing a great job. You know, we still got room for improvement, but, you know, every day we competing and just trying to get better. Chatting with Texans running back Lamar Miller. Lamar, we know it's all about the team concept, but from a personal standpoint, what did you take away from last year? The best amount of carries you've had in your career and you got to 1,000 rushing yards. Yes, you know, I, I think last year it was my first year in this offense. You know, trying to, you know, adjust coming from um, Miami. Miami to, you know, Houston with a different scheme and terminology and things like that. And I think this year, in my second year, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the offensive linemen, you know, the blocking scheme and things like that. So, you know, I'm just trying to put in the work every day and just try to get better as a player. I know being in Miami, it was extremely humid. I know Houston is probably a little bit hotter. How good does it allow your body to recover in, 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 in a climate like this and where it's not as brutal, but at the same time you still get some great work in because you're going against a great team like the New England Patriots? Yes, you know, it's it been good. You know, the first day we came here, you know, it didn't even feel like uh, practice. Right. Because, you know, my first five years in the NFL, I've been in the heat, you know, whether it was in Miami and Houston. So, yeah. you know, just coming here in the green bar, you know, with the weather is great, you know, competing against the Patriots and competing against our defense every day, you know, uh, it helped us as an offense putting the work in, making sure um, we hold everybody accountable. Right. Yeah. That put them into it. We know you're the marquee running back, but how talented is this group of backs? We had a nice conversation with Alfred Blue yesterday, and we know what Deontay Foreman did having a huge college career before coming to the Texans. You know, I, I think all them guys have been doing a great job. You know, they come in every day, you know, with a learning mindset. And, you know, our whole mindset is to be great. And, you know, we, we go out there, we put in the work, and we try to compete against each other every day and just try to make the, the guy next to us better. Lamar, when you look at teams in the National Football League that's trying to have some success or had success when it comes down to having a, a two-man backfield, you know it doesn't hurt. All right, I think you pretty much had that with Jay Ajayi as well when you were there in Miami. And, of course, you end up getting the opportunity to become the starter. Uh, but when you look at teams like Minnesota, you know, you have Murray as well as – as a Cook, who's coming in from Florida State. You look in New Orleans, you have Adrian Peterson, you have Mark Ingram. Look at Atlanta, I mean, which should make you get really excited, of Freeman and Coleman. 
would you be okay with splitting that time with those guys to allow your offense to have a, a little bit more of, let's just say, uh, diversity in a sense, being able to do whatever you choose to do at will because of you guys' strength? Yes, you know, uh, you know I'm looking. I'm pretty sure the coaches, I think they'll do a great job of, you know, giving me my, my carries and getting the other guys involved. You know, I, I'm just here to win games, you know, whatever the coaches, you know, tell me my role and what the other guys' roles are, you know, I'm just – here to put the work in. Play some ball. Yeah. <laughs> Chatting with Texans running back Lamar Miller. Lamar, what's it like to be on such a well-balanced team? Because we're seeing what the offense has been doing in recent years. We know what the defense was last year, number one in total D, even without J.J. Watt. And to know that you can count on this defense. They're going to get a three and out with the opposition, and you're going to get the ball back pretty quickly. Yes, you know, I think the defense, I think they did a great job last year, you know, um, and Last year, you know, as an offense, it was kind of tough for us. But, you know, this year, I think we put in the work. You know, we, we, we having that trust and making sure everybody is, you know, accountable to do their assignment. And, you know, I think Tom, Deshaun, I think all them guys have been doing a great job in making sure, you know, guys in the right spot. And, you know, we, we competing against a good defense every day. So, you know, that, that helped us as an offense. Um, we had a, a couple of the, the Patriots pundits come over, and, and, and they, they kind of laid a – lay the land in the sense of how this team is orchestrated in New England. Everything starts with number 12 and Tom Brady. And even if he's not on the football field, conversations was had that you still feel his energy around the organization, even when Jimmy Garoppolo was playing when he was suspended. When you think about the Houston Texans, you think you guys are getting to that point where it's J.J. Watt that you guys look to for that type of energy because you can say that's his team. But are you guys trying to find your way to – to get that feeling about it, whether it be Tom Savage or Deshaun Watson, or are you just saying we're going to do it with both guys? Because if you guys get a quarterback, that could just be serviceable enough to help you out, to help the other backs out, to help the defense out, just to get some points and not turn the football over like Brock Osweiler did last year. You guys can have a chance to really be in the trenches. Do you guys feel that way? Yes, we, we feel that way. You know, whoever the quarterback is, uh, you know, that's between not our, these two, right? Yeah, between uh, Deshaun and, and Tom. You know, yeah. that's that's not our decision. So we have that mindset. You know, whoever the whoever the quarterback is, you know, we got to put in the work, protect them, to give them an, enough time to you know get the ball to our playmakers and let them make plays. So you know, um, our defense they they do a great job, but the offense we just trying to find that that energy to you know keep the chain moving. Last one for me, Lamar. We know fantasy football is huge. What's it like when you have a day off as a star running back in the NFL? You're at the grocery store. Does some guy come up and say, Lamar, I need more touchdowns out of you. You're my number one running back. Well, in Houston, it don't happen that much. But in Miami, you know, uh, a lot of people used to come to me and, and tell me that they need more touchdowns and more Did you ask for a percentage? Did you ask for a percentage? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I didn't. Because it, well, you... it happened to me at one time. You know, it's like, Cordell, you know, I made so much money off you. And I'm looking around, I'm like, Where's my check? Yeah. I need my royalty checks. Like, why haven't I got paid? Because I, I made you a lot of money. But, yeah, that that's uh, it, it does happen. Have you ever had that happen to you, Brian? Yeah, people go, you are such a great talker. <laughs> Can I learn to talk like you? What, what do you say, though, when somebody comes up and wants to talk ball in fantasy football? Um, you know, I, I tell them that I try to do my best, you know, every time I get the ball. You know, I, I'm not going out there to to not score a touchdown. Sure, anyway, right. You so. want to find the end zone. Yeah, so I, I just tell them that. It's crazy, though. They, they end up being the ones that do the most noise-making if they're the ones that come to practice and say, you know what, I'm going to ride with Lamar this week, you know, because he's available. But at the same time, 
if I do, what if he doesn't make me any money? And they come back and they're mad because they couldn't win that week. Like, why, why does that, Brian? I, I'm, I'm asking. I'm why do you keep this. coming after me? Well, yeah, like, Lamar Miller joining no, us. No, but I mean, even with Lamar, I mean, we can have this conversation because I don't know how much he watches fantasy or follows fantasy yeah, I, I football, but I know you do. Much. Exactly. And I know I'm, I'm working with it. But why is it that they make it seem as if it's the players' fault that they didn't have a chance to, to win that money that week? And that's amazing because it's an he's emotional doing the best connection. He can. People care so much about what you do. It's just another way of funneling that passion. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that means? You got to scope. Yeah, I already <laughs> <That's know. laughs> Just may, tote the rock, take it to the house. Everybody happy. May everybody happy. Lamar, yeah. we really appreciate the visit. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for the time. Me. Stay healthy this year. I appreciate it. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Baseball fans, MLB at the Plate has the second half of the season covered like nobody else. With a push toward the postseason, now upon us, listen live as a co-host and myself bring you the biggest moments of the night as they happen with live listen-ins from around Major League Baseball. Right, driving one in the air, deep left field, it's got a chance, gone! Plus, between pitches, we'll go beyond the diamond with interviews, guest appearances, and analysis on the biggest news in baseball. Catch MLB at the Plate live weeknights from 7 to midnight Eastern, only on TuneIn. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's return to West Virginia for the joint training camp practices between the Patriots and the Texans. Texans tight end, Ryan Griffin, who's kind enough to make the move over to our set. Brian Weber, Cordell Stewart with you. Thanks so much for the time. Let's just talk in general about how the last couple days have been going and from your perspective, what the experience has been like. Uh, I would say the first word out of my mouth would be intensity. You know, it's, uh, it's not full go, go, go. You know, we were one spot and we really focused on, the, you know, down and distance, a situational football, but it was intense every down. You know, it was like a regular season game out here, so it was good work for us. When you look at what you've done, you can see you're ready to get, you're ready to be done because it looked like it was a long day for you, and I know the feeling. But when you're out here going against another team, uh, you know what they're all about because of what Mike Vrabel, Vrabel brings to the table and Romeo Cornell. Do you already anticipate what the team may end up trying to do when it comes to running your routes, when it comes to blocking techniques? Because you know they're really efficient. And tell me, are they as efficient as it seems like from afar when it comes to how they go about their business? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we're running the same calls on both yeah. sides of the ball out here. You know, and uh, they did a good job, of, you know, dumbing it down where we're not, it's not a scheme fest out here, but we got good, solid, fundamental football work out here. And, you know, they know our routes. We know their techniques, but it doesn't matter in the end. It's about, you know, everybody's technique and who's going to get open quicker, quicker. And so it was good work. Texas side and Ryan Griffin is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Ryan, what can you tell us about playing with Tom Savage? The offense looked very good last year when he took over. Yeah, Tommy, uh, you know, he, he came in a year after me, and, uh, you know, me and him have been working with the twos a lot, honestly, you know, the past three years now. And so he's getting his shot, and, uh, you know, we're moving the ball, you know, and it hasn't been like that, you know, in the past couple of years I've been here. But, uh, you know, I feel comfortable with him under the helm, and uh, it looks like he's comfortable, you know, moving the offense so you mentioned forward. you mentioned working with the twos but I, I i looked you up and you have 75 targets but you had 50 catches i mean it don't sound like you're working with the twos too much well ob loves his tight ends so right, you know, right, so right. We, we run a lot of two different especially with steven too now a couple three tight end sets out there and uh you know i prepare like i'm the starter you know even though i am number right. two on the depth chart but uh you never know cj went went out today and you know i stepped up and Steven stepped up, so that's that's the name of the game. Football. How do you like Deshaun Watson? Give me give me your take on him. I know Tom Savage is 
been around for some time. You had a chance to see him come in last year after Brock Osweiler. Uh, somewhat, let's just say, screwed up. You don't have to respond to that. Stay right there. Uh, tell me about Deshaun Watson and, and what does he bring to the table from a dynamic standpoint in comparison to the other quarterbacks you've seen step on the field? Yeah, I'll just talk in a general sense with that because I'm not a quarterback coach per se, but uh, I, I do know when he takes the field, something exciting is happening. You know, we're, we're scoring, we're moving the ball, he's running around making plays. Uh, you can see, you know, that's his MO coming from Clemson, and, you know, he's continuing that on the biggest stage out here. So I'm excited to see when he gets a shot to see what he can do out here uh, against the Pats on Saturday. And, uh, you know, moving forward in the future, you know, he's an exciting player for sure. You handled as nimbly as catching a pass on the back of the end. <laughs> well yeah, yeah, yeah. Chatting with Texans tight end Ryan Griffin. Ryan, what's it mean to have a healthy J.J. Watt back on the roster and the intensity he brings on and off the field? J.J.'s our leader. There's no question about that on and off the field. I mean, his motor is unbelievable, and it continues in the weight room to the meeting room. You know, he's always the the last guy in the weight room, first guy in the meeting room. So uh, have him back out here. You know, never mind the all-pro defensive, you know, MVP. I mean, just his his aura and what he brings to the table, uh, it just ratchets up our defense and it carries over the offense as well. And, Jay, when you look at Jadavion Clowney, he's been injured, so you never had a chance to really see him play. But now that J.J. Watt is healthy, uh, you see Jadavion Clowney healthy, that energy you talk about with J.J. Watt, has it rubbed off on him to make him understand while you, you're the big guy coming out of college, but you're dealing with a big guy that played in the National Football League and on this team and arguably probably could be the best player, period, throughout the National yeah. Football League when it comes to a player, not necessarily by position, but just how he does his job every week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've bear witness on the sideline to see J.J. at his very best. You know, and that wasn't last year, but Clowney was on his A game last year. I mean. When we get them on the field together, it's going to be it's going to be tough for an offense to move the ball, you know, 80 yards on the field, 75 yards on the field. So as an offense, we're always ready to go. We and JJ is always around the ball too. I mean, these guys' ball skills are unbelievable. So you, you never it could be first and ten, p and ten. We're ready to go. You know, we're always keeping an eye on the big screen, see you know who's going to make the next play. <laughs> Last one for me. Can you convey a sense of the camaraderie you have at the tight end position and reading up on you and C.J. Fedor? It sounds like C.J. has been tinkering with the diet. His mom now is helping him out. Is he giving you any culinary tips? Sure. I've been over. Uh, Leanne's made me some dishes, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on that diet too, I guess. But uh, So what is the diet? Because I could use all the help I could get. Oh, it's it's eat until you can't eat anymore. That's you the know? diet? Oh, I, I think yeah. I've already mastered that. <laughs> yeah, right. No, but uh, she keeps it clean, and uh, C.J.'s, you know, He's awesome having him in the in the meeting room and just around and you know we push each other to be better you know on the field and off the field too and uh, we have a lot of fun. I'm glad you know he's here with us. I'm glad we signed back and uh, hopefully we we can keep him around. Thanks so much for the visit. We really appreciate the time. Stay healthy. All right. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Kelly Sutton from Tune In Country Roads. Was it more love? Or war, putting us together. I loved it, but it it was war. Really? We're broadcasting every day live from Nashville. News and interviews with your favorite country stars. When I first heard the song, I knew it was me. Kiss me out of pretty girls. With all of your favorite new country songs, join me on Country Roads on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, a special edition of the program on the road in West Virginia for the joint training camp practices featuring the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. We are pleased to be joined by Patriot running back James Devlin, kind enough to take off the helmet. He's taking out the mouth guard and he's putting on the headset. That's a go. smooth sweating, transition. Sweating still. This feels like football. James, how are you? Thanks so much for joining us on the NFL on Tune. Doing well. Thanks for having me. How's it, how's it going so far? You know, you're a fullback, right? Yes, sir. Uh, by title. Uh-huh. But you have everything under the sun to do, whether it's special teams, whether it is playing fullback at certain times, yep. short yardage or goal line. Uh, the fullback position is somewhat kind of falling off the map a little bit, but you're still hanging strong, and you can see that you've been working hard because you're bruised up and you're doing the full, <laughs> fullback type things, right? Yes, sir. Tell me how is life for you playing with this team and seeing how they do things. Doesn't always equate you, but yet at the same time, you are involved in so many different ways. Exactly. You know, I think uh, the fullback position is, is starting to take a turn to just being kind of a, a a jack of all trades, you know, kind of just being as versatile as you can possibly be, whether it's in the kicking game or, uh, you know, go out there, run, run some routes, catch the ball out of the backfield, whatever they ask you to do. And especially on this team with the Pats, I mean, you know, as versatile as you can be, that's that just adds the the value to you as a player. So uh, and I just kind of try to go out there and do whatever they ask me to do and do it to my best ability. Individually, what you take away from today's session, I have to paint the word picture because there are no cameras here. Yeah. You have paint all over your shoulder pads yes, out there. there. There was a lot of contact happening here in West yeah. Virginia. Oh, yeah. You know, we had a, we had two really competitive days, and it was it was really good work against these Texans. They're a very tough, tough team, and it's, uh, you know, good to just get out here and, and compete. You know, I mean, First play of the day, I caved my face mask in, bloodied my nose up. I mean, hey, that's the way, football! That's right, that's right. That's the way uh, football is supposed to be in my eyes. I mean, that's, I always love the contact aspect of the game. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just a blessing to be out here and just really appreciative of the Texans for giving us this opportunity. So is that red stuff blood? No. Okay, I just want to make is, sure we're not getting too grizzly here. I had some blood here, but it, it's, it got all blood sweaty. Blood won't hurt you. Blood won't hurt you. He's a football player. <laughs> it won't hurt it's you. A, but, it, you know, you're here in Greenbrier, here at this nice, beautiful facility that's been given to you guys to actually be housed and, yeah. and have a chance to come play on the field that's similar to, similar to I'm more than sure, what you have back at home. Uh, but when going against one another in camp, you know, it can become a little monotonous, right? It's yeah. Redundant, and you know, the guys know your steps, they know the calls. Yeah. But yet, when you get a chance to go to against another team, that's almost similar to you guys because of Romeo Cornell. Yeah. And also having Mike Vrabel on the other side, how good is that for you guys to know that? Hey, we got to go against these guys. They may know our stuff a little bit, but yet they really don't. And now it's about our placement, of our shoulder pads, our yeah. head placement, our footsteps. How important is that for you guys to get this type of work as opposed to just doing amongst one another yeah, for you, two to three weeks? You're exactly right. I mean, it, it all kind of boils down to the fundamentals out there because these guys, you know, they know us as, as good as any other team in the league. Um, and so we really just had to go out there and do those little things like you said. I mean, keep our pads low, get our feet right, um, and go out there just kind of hone in on those on those little things. And so this, this was a great week to work on all those fundamentals. And, uh, and, you know, I think we really, really improved as a team. Chatting with Patriots fullback James Devlin. James, we hear so much about the Patriot way. What does that mean to you from an individual basis? It really come down to the fundamentals, next play in front of me, and, and next man up? Yeah, you know, I think it all boils down to just being mentally tough. And, uh, you know, I think I think our team showed that, you know, in last year's Super Bowl, just kind of no matter what the, what the obstacle is ahead of you, no matter what the odds are against you, just kind of going out there, doing your job, and, even when things aren't great for you personally, you just got to kind of put the team ahead of you and, and go out there and, uh, and just do, what, do what's needed. 
Yeah, when also when you're out here and, and, and having a chance to be in unfamiliar territory, let's mm -hmm. just say that. And I know we, are, we could pound you all day about football. Have you had a chance to be free at all and do anything different than what you're doing right now, which is just playing football? Coach, give you guys a chance just to have about an hour or two to yourself uh, to maybe go fly fishing or just take a ride through these the wilderness, so to speak, because that's what we're between mountains and all trees. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and no, we haven't we haven't really had too much uh, a free time yet. You know, we're we're here for another day and a half, so we'll see if we get a little bit of opportunity to kind of venture out and see these. I mean, this is, uh, this is some beautiful landscape here. I mean, these mountains around, this is, this is great. This is what, uh, this is what. what you is wish it, you had in New England, about. right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's great to be out here and just kind of seeing different stuff. And yeah, it's, it's been a great week. But it is a business trip after all. It the is. focus is yes, the focus. Sir. James, football is the focus. We really appreciate the time. Hope your nose is feeling okay. I'm looking for <laughs> the wound. I think they got it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, we're all good. All we right, stuffed man. it up. It's all clouded, so we're good. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. Get to know artists in a new way on Fireside Chat, exclusively on TuneIn. Search Fireside Chat to hear exclusive interviews with SZA. And I still don't know myself, but I think I'm comfortable with what I do and don't know. Legendary reggae artist Damian Marley stops by and talks about his inspiration behind Stony Hill. I'm not trying to hide where I come from or pretend to be something I'm not. ZZ Ward talks about her life and her music. So the inspiration for this album was a lot of past relationships. Get to know artists in a new way. Search Fireside Chat exclusively on TuneIn. Welcome back to to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We roll on on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, heading back to West Virginia for the joint training camp practices featuring the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans. Pleased to be joined by Peter King from MMQB.com. Peter, great to see you. Thanks so much for the time. Why don't we start with the teams that we're tracking here in West Virginia. What is your sense of how the Texans quarterback situation might play out? You know, uh, Brian, I think it's just a matter of time before Deshaun Watson plays and starts. But it's going to be all up to Tom Savage. He's been, uh, he hasn't been a durable player when given the opportunity. And, um, you know, he obviously hasn't shown enough uh, to be considered the long-term answer here. But again, it's in his, it's in his hands. I, I would anticipate by, uh, you know, I'm just going to pick a date by by sometime in October that Watson, at the latest, I think Watson will be playing for this team. Yeah, and I, and I was having conversations with a few of the guys from the Houston Texans, and I was just basically saying that throughout Bill O'Brien's tenure there with the Houston Texans, he's never had as of a talented quarterback of a Deshaun Watson. So, of course, the, the Google eyes is going to be really, really big, but tell me the intangibles you see that will allow him to even right now, if you're actually gauging it off of what does he bring to the table to be the starter? Does it help advance this offense to a place that it hadn't been before because of the, of the, the carousel of quarterbacks they've had in the game over the years? Is he good enough to be the guy now if they chose to give him a chance to start come week one? You know, Cordell, I'm reminded of uh, when, J when Jason Garrett of the Cowboys, this is maybe six or eight years ago, went to New York Yankees spring training because he wanted to have a conversation with Derek Jeter about leadership. And uh, uh, because at the time, Romo, he may not even admit it now, but I think, I, or Garrett, he may not even admit it now, but he was concerned that, that he didn't really have that vocal leader on offense. And he wanted to have a vocal leader. He thought that's 
what a football quarterback should be and all that. And I think he went to talk to Jeter, and his whole mindset changed. His mindset went from, I need a holler guy at quarterback, to uh, when Jeter said, I don't basically say anything. I just, if you call it leadership, I just do it by how I act and how I play. And I think over time, we have gotten conditioned kind of in the media and in the public to say, you got to be Vince Lombardi. You got to be, uh, you know, you got to be yelling and screaming or, or doing something. And that's leadership. And a lot of times leadership, I think, is just the simple act of showing everybody on your teammates that this is how I do it. And I'm really successful doing this. And in a playing sense, I think, with Watson, you know, well, all I know is that there's one person who's ever resided on planet Earth who has played a Nick Saban defense and twice thrown over 400 yards, and that would be Deshaun Watson. So I view him as I understand that there is an adjustment period, but when Deshaun Watson walked into this team and talking to guys in Houston, one of the things they've been really impressed with is that he hasn't basically said anything. He's just gone to work, come out here every day, and just proven he belongs. And I think with players, you know, you were one. Yep. With players, that's what works. Not what you say, but what you do, you know. And Dabo Sweeney raved about the leadership while he was the quarterback at Clemson. Taking you around the league with Peter King from MMQB.com. Peter, for years we've been reading one of your staples in print. Things you think you think. So if we're thinking about things we might think, is it outlandish to talk about this Patriots team potentially going undefeated? Outlandish, yes, but impossible, no. I, I, I mean, Bill Polian said something, and I know everybody in New England views him as uh, the arch enemy, but, um, <laughs> you know, Bill Polian said something I totally agree. He said the Patriots aren't unbeatable. They were down by 25 points in the third quarter of the Super Bowl. How can you say they're unbeatable and they're a cinch to win another Super Bowl? I mean, look. The Patriots are the favorite to win a Super Bowl because Brady is Brady and uh, he's 40 going on 26. Right. But having said that, what I think when I look at this, this Patriots team is that there are some uh, there are some little scars that you wonder if they're going to be able to fix. Are they going to get enough pass rush? Are they going to hold up in coverage? I mean, Stephon Gilmore has been hurt a lot. So he comes over from Buffalo, and I think, uh, look, all the arrows for New England are pointing in a positive direction. Don't get me wrong. But, I, I mean, there's a lot of teams, including this one out here that we're watching right now. J.J. Watt coming back to the number one defense in football. Imagine if the Houston Texans go from D-minus quarterback play to be quarterback play, if they do, I mean, how is it possible that the Houston Texans could win 13? Yes. Uh, you, you know, I'm kind of a Tennessee Titans guy. So as is far Cordell. As start. Mike Malarkey and Big Cordell yeah. go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I think Tennessee's going to be good. But I, I just, I think it's too, it's too easy to say to crown the Patriots because they've won the Super Bowl two of the last three years. I mean, look. I mean, the Steelers, Steelers are even coming up when they get Martavis Bryant back. No question. I mean, you get A.B. No his question. new deal. Now you just need Le'Veon Bell to sign his franchise tag uh, and, and be able to come back and play. And the fact is, honestly, I think this is year three for Keith Butler on defense. 
And to me, I think that 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 defensive unit really likes Keith Butler. I mean, they revered Dick LeBeau, you know that. And they revered Dick LeBeau, but right now, in my opinion, the way I look at their team, I think that you're absolutely right. This is a team that has a lot of advantages going into the season, one of which is how's anybody going to stop that offense? Peter, when, when watching these practices, and, I, and I'm watching Tom Brady connect with one of his receivers, and just, and just correct me if I'm wrong. I know the game is about being efficient, uh, especially with the quarterbacks, but just overall as a team, is it that much of a separation between the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots? Because this team, when it comes to defensive preparation, when it comes to offense, when it comes down to their drills, they're just so efficient across the board to the point where we're watching the Texans, while they're a good football team, is it okay for me to say is that big of a separation between a team that won a championship and a team that's trying to figure it out? I don't think there's that big a separation. It's all a quarterback. I mean, but, you know, we're standing there watching it right now. And, look, I, I you know, what is such a treat, you go from training camp to training camp, and, you know, it's incredible that here we are on a beautiful Thursday in southern West Virginia, or Wednesday, rather, in southern West Virginia. There's J.J. Watt trying to get around Marcus Cannon around the end. And here's Tom Brady uh, throwing passes. I mean, you know, I, I, it's funny. I asked Bill O'Brien yesterday. I said, he's a football historian. And I said to him, uh, I said, Bill, we did a, a draft at the MMQB this offseason, an all-time history draft. And we had Gil Brandt and Ron Wolf and Ernie Accorsi and, and uh, Gil Brandt. And we had a bunch of great old general manager types drafting people and I said so and I said Lawrence Taylor was the first pick overall I said if you had the first pick overall who would you take and I should have said you know your present team not included but he just answered very quickly he says J.J. Watt well who's ever been able to do the things he's done on the defensive line but we're watching J.J. Watt and we're all reminded that this team last year the Houston Texans were the number one defense in football and now you know, they seemingly are, are healthy coming back, and here is J.J. Watt. Uh, and O'Brien said, I think he's going to be every bit as good as he was before he got hurt. If that happens, we might be seeing, I'm not saying a historic defense, we're going to see a state-of-the-art defense if J.J. Watt can last 16 games and he comes back and his back is, is fully healthy. And Watt, the runner-up to Aaron Rodgers in the MVP, balloting a few years ago when he also had the five touchdowns scored. Only two defensive players, correct? Alan Page and Lawrence Taylor have won yeah. the MVP over the modern era of our league, taking you around the NFL with Peter King from MMQB.com. Peter, it's challenging to talk about the Ezekiel Elliott case because of the severity of the allegations. But from a football standpoint, there are a lot of layers. Why don't we start with Jerry Jones' effectively declining comment yesterday. What does that tell you? I think Jerry Jones wants to make sure that uh, if he does say something about it, and uh, you know, I reached out and could not get him over the weekend. If Jerry Jones does say something about it, he wants to make sure that a, it's prudent, it's well thought out, and it doesn't hurt Elliot's chances of beating this suspension. Jerry Jones feels like Ezekiel Elliott was wronged. He feels exactly like Robert Kraft felt when Tom Brady got suspended, which is there isn't enough evidence to convict my player. 
And I can tell you that I think there's so many similarities. Obviously, it's totally different. Doctoring footballs, abusing women, both allegedly. Um, but I think that what we're seeing right now, at least in my opinion, I think we're seeing a guy who's probably doing the right thing and no commenting this at this point. When you see something like this happen to a team like the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, it, did, it didn't just start happening when it comes to guys just being undisciplined. Let's use that word, undisciplined. Uh, you think that's affected this team uh, in some capacity over the years from actually getting to the next level uh, because their attention was drawn somewhere else, whether it be for the obvious things? The Cowboys, you know, Cordell, you, I mean, you know this. You, you've been involved in the game that, so often the Dallas Cowboys have had distractions. Now, a lot of people think that distractions cause losses and they really kind of screw you up. Um, and I kind of wonder about that. I wonder how much that actually impacts what happens on the field. You want everything to be quiet. You want everybody to always be in line. You look at the Patriots. Yeah. They're 99% of the last 17 years, nobody with the Patriots steps out of line. You know, they just don't do it. And so, and you see, see the Patriots win that way, but I've seen a lot of teams with mayhem win too in all sports. So I don't think that that's that big a deal, but I do think Jason Garrett has told Ezekiel Elliott this offseason, look, you can be LeBron. You can be a guy who makes $200 million off the field if you want, if you play your cards right. Or you could be a guy who makes a million dollars off the field and blows his opportunity. It's up to you. Uh, look, the Cowboys are worried about Ezekiel Elliott. No question about it. Whether or not he gets his suspension reduced or eliminated, I think that doesn't change the fact that the Dallas Cowboys believe that uh, Ezekiel Elliott has to settle down. And so we'll see if he can. With the notion it's a pattern of troubling behavior. Right. Peter, last one for me. So we have the Texans and the Patriots on the practice field to our left. So let's continue to talk about the AFC South. How concerned should fans listening in Indy be that here we are in the second week of August, Andrew Luck still on the physically unable to perform list coming back from the shoulder injury? I mean, he might miss a game or two. It's, it's, I was there the other day and... Uh, but I don't think there is a soul in that organization who believes that he's going to miss more than a couple of games. And I think this is all about one thing with Andrew Luck. Honestly, he hasn't been right for almost for like a year and a half. His shoulder has bothered him and prevented him from being the true Andrew Luck for quite a while. And so all the general manager of this team, Chris Ballard, the head coach, is a, all these guys and all Andrew Luck has, 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 have asked the doctors is, we want to know what he has to do to eliminate this from being a consideration. We want to get him back absolutely, totally healthy. Tell us how to do this. So that's what they've been told. That's why he hasn't been practicing. And that's why he might miss. I think the over-under, if, if I were to go to Vegas right now, and do the over-under on number of starts for Andrew Luck, I'd put it at 15. You think he'll be effective? Because here's the yes. thing. Naturally, the quarterback gets fatigues arms all the time, like right now in camp. That's why you have so many quarterbacks. But Cordell, he's throw, he is throwing he the is. ball. He's throwing the ball. He's just not throwing where anybody can see okay, him. Okay, okay. You know, okay. he's throwing the ball 
uh, as part of his rehab. Got and it. I'm not saying he's throwing the ball in anger mm-hmm. or, or he's, or he's you know, he's really, yeah, he's but really stressing context. out his arm. Gotcha. But he's, he's not, it's not like he's going to show up in week three and start throwing the football for the first time. Right. I mean, he's getting, he's doing it right now in the little indoor facility at the Indianapolis Colts training facility. Okay. Yeah. Peter, thanks so much for being so generous with your time. We love the website, and it's great to meet you pleasure. again in person. Thanks so much, Peter. Guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Immerse yourself in the world of Heard Well Radio, Yo. the only 24-7 streaming radio station that's powered by social influencers and their communities. Come for the best new music curated by the most influential voices of today and stay for Heard Well Live, our live specialty program that airs at 3 p.m. Pacific every weekday, hosted by Josh Fisher. Plus, listen in for special contests, live events, and playlists curated for every moment of your day. From us to you, this is Heard Well Radio. Listen for free on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Let's return to West Virginia for the joint training camp practices between the Patriots and the Texans. Let's talk Texans football with a good friend of the program, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. John, always a pleasure. Let's put the career in perspective. How does this camp experience compare to the very first camp that you covered in the late 1970s? I tweeted yesterday, it just dawned on me, I was three weeks into my first training camp when Brady was born on August 3rd, 1977. The Oilers were in Nacogdoches, Texas, up in the Piney Woods. It was so hot, 36 guys had to get IV'd in the hospital. They stayed there one year and left. And uh, so this is my 40th training camp. Wow. How much has changed? I know a lot. I can't say that, but I can't go that far back. But when, in comparison to then and now, um, is, is it almost like riding a scooter and actually flying on spaceships now in comparison to? It's so much easier now than it was then. They had six exhibition games. Camp was eight weeks. They did two double days of two to three hours each. They hit from day one because a lot of players had to have jobs. So right. they started working out in June. It wasn't an all-year process. Facilities were awful. They didn't have great weight weight machines. Players didn't have a lot of muscles like they do today. <laughs> but they were fast and they quick. And I can't say that there are were more injuries then than there are now. And one of the things that was fun about it, think about your first day of camp. Now they can't put on pads because of the rules. Right, right. First day, but they were going full speed, full contact from the get-go. And I tell some players today about what it was like, not just then, all the way until they, until probably the strike of 87, and they think I'm making it up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when thinking about the game now, even compared to when I played in 95, uh, I mean, how many generations of football have we seen since we watched Tom Brady that the game has changed? I mean, from having a fullback in the game to now having no backs in the backfield to where now you're mentioning no practices. How, how helpful is it now that knowing that Tom Brady just may be able to play until he's close to 45 years old because of what he said? And not just Brady. Drew Brees is still going strong. Yep. You know, the idea that Aaron Rodgers could play another 10 years. We are in an unprecedented era of passing the football. You know, the rules changed in 1978 where it's hard to envision offensive linemen not being able to extend their arms, having to keep their arms inside the pad and, gra- and block. 
it was just almost impossible to think about it. And it's a privilege for me to be able to cover so many great quarterbacks. I love watching Brady. He beats the heck out of the Texans every time they play, but he beats the heck out of most teams. <laughs> and it's a privilege to watch these guys. And I remember in uh, probably I grew up watching Johnny Unitas and I always thought Johnny Unitas and Joe Montana are the greatest quarterbacks I've seen now. I believe it's Brady uh, unequivocally because when I look at what they've given him offensively, how many receivers have been first-round picks? You know, how many high-priced guys have they brought in and given him as uh, skill position players? Not many. He's done more with less as far as uh, the draft and free agency than than all those other quarterbacks who had Hall of Famers playing with them. Chatting with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, while you have covered the Texans, you have not seen many future Hall of Famers at the quarterback position. We know that a lot of teams have legitimate QB competitions. Denver, Cleveland comes to mind. What's going on with the Texans QB situation? What would it take for Deshaun Watson to be the starter week one? Okay, if you'd asked me this, Brian, uh, three weeks ago, I would say he had no, no prayer. The thing is, he went... When he was drafted, he had a long way to go, they thought. And because he's another spread quarterback coming out of college. And then when he got there, it turned out at Clemson, they gave him a foundation of doing things at the line of scrimmage. Bill O'Brien's offense is not all that complicated, but he puts a lot of pressure on the quarterback at the line of scrimmage based on his game plan, matchups, and then what he sees. And the, the quarterback makes a lot of calls. And he... and He's done a great job of picking that up. They are blown away with how fast he's picked up the system, how he, how much he studies. O'Brien said every morning when he comes in and asks questions, it's obvious he's been studying that night. And I, and he said it's a. Watson said it's a lifestyle. Why else, why, would I, why else would I not do it? And so he's gaining on Savage. He's got tremendous athleticism. We knew about that. He's got a better arm. And I thought, I went back this week and read all the scouting reports by the ex, quote-unquote experts, and the things that they were saying, decision-making, arm strength, I don't see it. I watched him throw a rope 65 yards in the first game. It was incomplete because the DB made a great play, but I think it's only a matter of time. Savage is going to have to play really well and really consistently against New England and New Orleans, assuming Watson keeps improving. Now, I mean, he may take a step back, but it's only a matter of time, and I'm not saying unequivocally that he will not be starting the opener against Jacksonville because this kid is special. Let's be realistic, though. When looking at the quarterbacks that's been under Bill O'Brien, what, 14? I think this, what, 15, 16 now? I got, let me get my calculator. <laughs> Being that you've had the opportunity to see all those quarterbacks, He's never had opportunity. Right, right, right. But you've never seen one like Deshaun Watson. Not not neither one of these guys. So would you say it's more of the the, the shock factor visually from the standpoint of how he moves, how he does it, how elusive he is in the sense of how he throws the football? And on top of that, having those attributes, being able to study like the quarterbacks that he's had over the time since he's been with the Houston Texans. All those things you mentioned, Gordell, we knew that coming out of Clemson. You know, he tore up Nick Saban's defense in the last the only one through 400 yards against him twice. National championship yeah. game. But it's it's the mental stuff, as you know, that separates the rookies. And 
And I don't know when the last time a rookie quarterback started the first game for a team coming off a playoff division title and a playoff win. It just doesn't happen. The ones that take over are taking over teams with losing records, right. including Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. And so uh, it's the mental stuff. It's the way they say he's learned to correct his mistakes on the fly. He recognizes his mistakes when he makes them. And they say he doesn't make the same mistake. And that, and everybody, they have to be careful of going overboard right. about it. But privately, they just rave about him and the way he continues to get better every day. He reminds me of Warren Moon. I covered every... Every snap Warren took, and as a rookie in 1984, Warren was 27. He had five Grey Cup titles on his resume. Deshaun's 21. But when I first interviewed him, he reminded me of Warren. I called Warren, who spent time with him, and Warren told me all these things that he was going to be. And I, I'm like, yeah, right. It's just because you like him and have kind of become a mentor. <laughs> but everything he says is coming true. Now, I'll say this. This time last year, I was saying great things about Brock Osweiler, except he was not accurate, which was a little problem. Slight problem, as we saw. <laughs> what about Watson throwing the 30 interceptions the last two years combined at Clemson? I watched John Gruden's quarterback school with him, and Gruden went over the tape and showed how many times receivers ran wrong routes, how many balls went in and out of the receiver's hands. And one time Gruden said, come on now, to Watson, you know that was the receiver's fault, and you won't say so because he's your roomie. And Watson took the blame for everything, but after watching Gruden break it down, I, I thought, you know what? I'm not paying any attention to that total number. Because we heard that stat repeatedly oh on goodness, the path of the yes. draft. But after watching it broken down, that's what I always did with Warren Moon. So many times his interceptions, I knew receivers were running wrong routes, so I would check. And so many times they get their hands on the ball, and it would ricochet. Receivers have to be – interceptions have to be looked at individually. Well, I tell you what, he's – He's shown me, I, I mean, regardless of anything uh, that anyone may say, uh, that he, if given the opportunity to be a starter, even though this team didn't win the playoffs last year, if he and Tom Savage truly have an open competition, do you think this young kid can actually beat out Tom Savage if given the proper opportunity? Yeah, well, he's given a proper opportunity, taking every snap with the twos, and then after the Carolina game when he looked real good, and what he did, he, you know, he overthrew some balls. He held the ball too much. He's a rookie. Yep. But uh, they gave him some reps with the ones, not many, just a few. And all the receivers are out, so he can't even really count it as the ones. But it was the first offensive line. And that offensive line right now is not very good. And so they're going to need a mobile quarterback. Savage is a pure pocket passer with a great arm yep. who knows the system inside and out, but he lacks mobility. He can roll a little bit, but he's not going to get out of trouble. So I think it's just a matter of time before Watson wins that job. I think it's like a race, and he's coming on. You know, Tom's going as well as he can, but he's just closing, 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 and it's only a matter of time before he passes it. He's Cordell Stewart. I'm Brian Weber. NFL No Huddle special joint audio cast from the Texans training camp here at the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia. John McClain, Houston Chronicle, is our guest. John, we talked so much last year about the Texans persevering on defense without J.J. Watt, number one in total D. Watt's back, but should we be talking more about the turnover, losing three starters to free agency, and now Vince Wilfork retiring? They weren't going to bring Vince back. They got a second-year nose tackle, D.J. Reader who started one game on the nose and seven at the end. They love Reader. 
and they say he has some pass rush skills. They might use him in that role in some sub packages. You got to figure when they play three linebackers, Clowney will be playing right in. When they play four linebackers, Clowney will be there. But if you're between Watt and Clowney, and those tackles, you guys know, in a 3 4, supposed to tie up two blockers. Well, there's no way they're going to put two guys on him when they got to worry about the other guys. So, and in the secondary, Kevin Johnson, former number one pick, who's really good, he's replaced Boyer, and they have to come up with a safety and to replace Quentin Dempsey's six interceptions. But they didn't make much of an effort to keep Demps or outside linebacker John Simon, the only player, and they had the cap money, but the only one they really made an effort was A.J. Boyer, the corner. And uh, I think if he had come back, and they offered him 12 and a half a year, got 13 and a half from Jacksonville, I think if he had come back, Kareem Jackson would be playing for safety full time. And right now he's going back and forth between the two. Will this defense see any any fall off without having uh, Vince Wolfork in there, considering they'll have now Jadavion Clowney as well as J.J. Watt? Not with Raider, no. And Vince was a run stuffer, you know, and that was near the end of his career. And he gave him everything he could for two two years, but no. I think the, their front seven is really good. Their defensive line could be the best in the NFL. They were number one in defense, but they allowed too many points. They didn't force enough turnovers, and they only had one touchdown on defense. And as you guys know, to be a great defense, you got to allow a few points, yards, force turnovers, and score some touchdowns. Yep. Chatting with John McLean of the Houston Chronicle. Let's spotlight the wide receiver position. We know about DeAndre Hopkins. Numbers went down last year in part because Brock Osweiler was the quarterback. But with Will Fuller, Will Fuller out with the collarbone injury, how much depth do the Texans have at wideouts? I think they're watching the Patriots really closely because the Patriots have too many, too many receivers. But the odds are where the Texans be on the waiver claim, they're not going to get any good receivers who've been waived by team like New England, they'll be gone. Uh, Braxton Miller, who's hurt, got a sprained ankle. It's not bad. He needs to stay healthy because they need him to step up. Jalen Strong, like Miller's another former third-round pick, this is a make or break for him. He hadn't done squat for the first two years, so it's he's the number one guy out here right now in practice. They got some young guys. I, because they've run the ball more than any team in the league since Bill O'Brien has been here and they drafted Deontay Foreman in the third round, they're going to still run the ball. And that the best thing Brock Osweiler did here was incorporate the tight ends into the receiving game. They hadn't done it until he got here. And the two tight ends that they liked the best, C.J. Fedorowicz and Ryan Griffin had more than 100, combined for more than 100 catches and 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. So they'll throw to them a lot until Fuller comes back. Unless somebody emerges that has not emerged in his career, that's almost almost going to be a forgotten position over there. When you look at the game now with teams that are having some success, uh, one for sure is the Atlanta Falcons. You look at their backfield, they have Coleman and Freeman. You see what they're trying to do in New Orleans with Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Do you think the Texans are trying to do the same thing with the young man Foreman as well as Lamar Miller? Yes, they are, Cordell. And, but Alfred Blue who's been the backup, sometimes starter. This is his fourth season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I hadn't written a word about him for the first three weeks except put him in the list of backs, and then he looked really good against Carolina as the first guy off the bench. So he showed, I'm not giving this job up without a fight. But Foreman, who was only one of two 2,000-yard rushers, and 
University of Texas history with Ricky Williams. He is 235. He's powerful. He runs for 90, 91 yards against Carolina, including a 41-yard run. Their toughest cut's going to be at running back, and they're going to run the ball a lot. And even if Savage is the starter, you know, he doesn't have a touchdown pass in the NFL. He's only started two games. So whether it's him or Watson, they're going to run, run, and run some more. John, let's wrap it up with the big picture based on Cordell's relationship with Mike Malarkey going back to their time together in Pittsburgh. We talk AFC South football probably more than any program. <laughs> and I'm not just hyping the division because we're here, but think about what the Texans have done. I'm the pundit who every year doubles down and says this is the year the Jaguars are competitive, and I know how that worked out a year ago. The uncertainty in Indy with Andrew Luck coming back from the shoulder procedure. Is this division more talented and more competitive than it gets credit for being. It's more talented because they keep having such high draft choices. And the GMs, John Robinson's done a terrific job with Tennessee. I picked the Titans to win the division. Texans are trying to win it for the fifth time in seven years. If they get better play out of the quarterback position, they can win it again. Their defense could be great. Indy, that's scary. When we're at this point of the preseason and a quarterback has not thrown a pass, because, Cordell, how long does it take a quarterback from doing nothing to throw the ball for 60 yards accurately? I mean, I mean that's a minimum of at least 200 throws. I mean, to throw, I mean, accurately to the point where it can be efficient in a game, maybe get a result of a touchdown of some sort, or, or just having to get that play uh, to keep the drive alive. And, and you're, you're making a great point is to have – their marquee player, let alone one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the game. Scary. I think all the all the the what do they call it? The um, they come back and say the opportunities that he may have, or the potential is the word they talk about. Future Hall of Famer, a lot of Hall of Famer. To see him not on the field, and, and here's my thing with this, John, and this and this is what Brian and I go back and forth with, and and I and I understand his point of what with the young man, he, he has the potential to be something very special, but you're only as good as the pieces you have around you. And if they don't make the system good enough for him, meaning I run the football first, play action pass, that's how successful he was when he was at Stanford. They're trying to make him Peyton Manning, and he's not Peyton Manning. And I think because of those pieces he don't have, whether it's the running game, whether it's the DBs, whether it's receivers, and especially the offensive line, we're going to continue to see him at the end of every season having to go get checkups, surgery of some sort, missing some games because they're putting too much pressure on him. But that's not what you have going on in Houston uh, with the team you have. Defensively, you're solid. Offensively, I think you're solid. It's just trying to find that one piece on offense, which is a quarterback, yeah, one little to help bitty it out piece. a little bit. Hey, pro football focus said Andrew Luck got hit more than any quarterback in the league last year. Yeah. That's not unusual for him. At some point, it's got to stop. Jacksonville's defense was fifth. It's all about Bortles. And then uh, now they have a running game with with, with, uh, Fournette, yeah. with Fournette and also Chris Ivory helping. With the Texans running so much, Fournette coming to the Jaguars with Murray and Henry in Tennessee. Yeah, those three teams. It's like the smash mouth football, throwback football to and protect the quarterbacks. Yep. Reminiscent of when you joined the NFL in 1977. <laughs> John, always a pleasure. Congratulations on that milestone. That is an eternity in our business. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Cordell. <laughs> you will. I always appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in. Your everything audio app.